following program is brought to you in living color on NBC. Hey, where y'all at? It is a thrill. I love this show. You're telling me a big fat lot. I was hoping for funny crazy. I will get on stage on Broadway and I will reenact the rantings of Charlie Sheen one day. Think you can replace me with some other guy? Go ahead. It won't be the same. Tis mightiest in the mightiest. Do not bring Shakespeare into this. You're so smart. Oh, really? Well, so are you. And yes, the rumors are true. They smoke, they drink, they use bad language in mixed company. They're extremely rich and they can flash more bling than most posses in this room. I know exactly who that is. That's the mother that loses every goddamn game. That's Kirk Cousins. <laughs> Get rid of him. Wow. Bros, come on. I love you, bros. Does everybody have to be crazy today? Now get me, Savior! Back and forth, he goes with Cologne. Across the stem, goes with a shot block, gets it right back, and it rolls to Sergachev. Good shot there. Oh, they score! Ten games front! And this is going to be a goal for Alex Kalor! But there he goes, Kalor, into the middle for Maroon. Maroon, Serenity, in, stop, rebound, and Maroon's done it again! Night down in Tampa, and it should have everybody uh, drinking a big old steaming glass of reality today. Welcome to the show, everybody. It's the Bob Matthews Podcast. Delighted that you are with us. We'll get back to the Capitals in a few minutes because there are some things we need to discuss, and there is, again, some reality that needs to be faced uh, this team needs at the very least a reboot and maybe a complete overhaul. I know that's not going to be fun, not with Ovi chasing the all-time goals record, chasing Gretzky, but it's something that's got to be done. First, though, no, it's been a busy week or so on the sale front with the commanders, so that is where we have got to start. The owners' meetings are done, so that means we got to get the inside skinny on exactly what went down with one of our Commander's Insiders. Cue the dramatic music. All right, let's bring on in our Commander's Insider from the Washington Post. He is no longer standing on a corner in Scottsdale, Arizona. It's Sam Fortier. Sam, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Bob. Thank you for having me. And uh, it's not its not quite the desert. It's not quite a, a beautiful 78, 80 degrees. In D.C., I think it's like 55, but I'm, I'm walking around my neighborhood right now, and it just feels good to be home. Yeah, I know you are missing the dry heat from out there. Let's jump right on into it, though, Sam. Um, the owners' meetings, we know it, we knew it was going to be nuts going in. We kind of got sale news. We kind of didn't. But so I, I guess, you know, looking back on it now, was it what you were expecting? Acting on the ownership front, or were there actually some genuine surprises out there? Yeah, so and I, I want to point out that my colleagues Mark Maskey and Nikki Jambala were, were definitely leading the way on this. I was kind of, you know, there in support. But I mean, we had gotten the sense that, you know, that that last week before the meetings, that, that nothing was going to happen um, then. You know, it had been kind of the idea that something may happen, but but as you know, February came March, I think everybody realized, hey, at the end of the month, it, it might be a little soon. But obviously, you know, Apostolopoulos and the Josh Harris groups both submitting $6 billion bids. Um, that's big news. Um, and, 
and really to me it sort of signals hey you know is Jeff Bezos interested in this or not you know is he going to try to come over the top with a godfather offer I don't know um, I don't have any indication on that but uh, I was I was not surprised I was a little surprised that we got the numbers and we got the official bids right then um, but now I think it's a, it's an open question as to where do we go from here Oh, makes sense. And I love the Godfather analogy. Man, Jeff Bezos is sitting out there. We'll make him an offer he can't refuse. <laughs> uh, That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, you know, it, it's it's sort of the question that everyone's been interested in, right? Like, uh, allegedly, Dan Snyder wasn't allowing him to bid, but then he wasn't bidding anyway. But obviously, he had the agreement with the firm um, to kind of vet the offer. So. Is, is Jeff Bezos really about it? I mean, that's that's a huge question. Right. And so now, you know, we've got Josh Harris, who we presume is the leader in the clubhouse. You know, he's got Mitchell Rails and Magic Johnson with him. And then you've got the Apostolopoulos group uh, that's out there that allegedly has, has met Snyder's price of $6 billion. Same with Harris. You know, where do we go from here? You think we, we get a... a preliminary winner somebody that has a chance to either get vetted again or or you know do some sort of an exclusive negotiation or sign a letter of intent is do you think that's on the horizon here yeah i i um i I think that's an open question that we're still trying to report out as well i mean so let's say for example you know one option is jeff bezos is not furious he does not try to outdo the two six billion dollar bids and he says, no, I'm, my, I'm out, and those are your two options, basically, Apostolopoulos or Harris. So to me, my sense would be that they would vet both candidates. Does the NFL, uh, does the NFL you know, give input to Snyder? Does Snyder just pick the one he likes best? Uh, does he have them try to resubmit another round of bids and say, okay, who's willing to go to 6-2 or 6-3 or 6-4? I, I don't know. Um, what those next steps will be. Um, but obviously that's something we are trying to learn right now. Now, now your bylines had a, a lot to do with, you know, you, you spent time with Ron Rivera out there and Martin Mayhew. I think, you know, Jason Wright was around too. And you guys, I think you guys got to talk to him, but it it seems like this is the, the first time that especially I noticed with, with Rivera and Mayhew, yeah, before it was, hey, business as usual, and the Snyders told us to do what we got to do. And, and now they're talking as if a sale is presumed rather than either saying, you know, nothing's going on with it or, or we don't know what's going on with it or, you know, we just don't know. What do we make of all that? Yeah, I mean, this was, as you noted, I mean, this is the first time he has acknowledged that the ownership transition is affecting football decisions. He was asked, are you going to pick up Chase Young's fifth-year option? The deadline is May 2nd. Uh, and he said, we are waiting for a new owner to do that. He was asked, hey, if the new owner came in before the draft and wanted to take one of the top quarterbacks, would you do it? Um, he said, yeah. I mean, if the new owner felt strongly about that, obviously we would work to accommodate him. So uh, that is, you know, I thought those were pretty notable remarks. And um, the, the news of the bids came out after uh, Ron talked, so we didn't get to ask him about that specifically. Um, but obviously, I mean, it's a really big deal to acknowledge um, that this situation is affecting, especially when you consider, you know, a, a four-year, $90 million contract for Deron Payne is, is financially significantly more 
uh, expensive than you know whether or not you pick up Chase Young's fifth-year option, which if they do, it would cost them 17.45 million next year. Um, so to me, this is this signals, um, you know, it, it's about the culture of the franchise. It's about uh, roster building. It's about you know really a guy who, while he's been injured and while he has not lived up to the the second uh, overall pick billing so far in his career, um, it would be a pretty significant step to decline that fifth-year option as well. So. Um, that is really, I think, where we're at. And if the new owner does have an opinion on that, it would be obviously a very notable one. All right. So now the Chase Young situation, Rivera also addressed that. And I always hesitate or, or, or try to couch this to where I don't put you guys that are you know reporters uh, in too much of a box when we talk about it because you're there to report facts. But when you think about this fifth-year option for Chase Young, again, you know, a top-five pick, and the fact that it's it's less money in two years economically with both inflation and the salary cap going up than it is today and everything. Does what Rivera says, does what he says about, you know, waiting and taking their time with this, does any of this add up? It is notable to me that when he discussed Chase Young's fifth-year option at the Super Bowl, he said that it might be helpful to Chase as motivation in the same way that it helped Deron Payne he felt, you know, have a significantly uh, a better year. Interesting. I my mute button. I had to hit my mute button to, oh, okay. to cough real quick. Sorry about that. I, uh, I worked at <laughs> a radio okay. station once, so, uh, so I still got it. Very good. Um, that, you, you, you never lost it, let me tell you. <laughs> I appreciate that. So, um, uh, and then he said, uh, in, in Phoenix, he said, oh, uh, it's not about motivation. It's primarily about health. He said that Chase Young met with James Andrews yet again, and he had a very positive, his words, update. So, to me, it is, it is a, an odd situation because they made a financial commitment bigger than this already. Um, Chase Young, you know, came back at the end of last year, uh, but he says motivation is not a factor. Uh, and he says health is the factor, but he already knows that he has a good bill of health. So, really, what are we waiting on? Why do you have to wait uh, for the owner for this time. And, and that is, uh, I think that's just the straight news of it. And I think that um, if something else is going on, Ron has, has not come out and said it. Yeah. You know, whenever, whenever we do these, these huge gaggles with him, it's like, you, you got to bring your notes on, on what question you're going to ask him. You know, your background's like, okay, let's see. I'm going to ask Ron this. All right, Ron, this is what you say now. And let's see, does it match up with what you said six months ago? Yeah, I, I think that this is um, – it, it's sort of like he had a quote uh, from that scrum as well where he said uh, – he, he was talking about committing to Howell as the quarterback, and he was like, we are roster building for the first time. And it was really easy, I think, to dunk on that quote because on paper it looks so odd, right? This is Ron Rivera right. in his fourth season in Washington. Why are you now just roster building? And I think it's sort of like his quarterback comment last fall um, – you know, the one that caused all the hubbub and, uh, you know, wires the, at three NFC teams doing much better than you guys. He said quarterback. But, but I think that there is a gap sometimes between the, the language Ron uses and, like, the vibe that he has and what he's trying to convey. And I think with the roster building thing, it's a uh, – I hope that you're enjoying this uh, fire. I hope I they're not – yeah, no, I, I just hope they're not after you. That's all. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> And so I think, I think what Ron was trying to say was, you know, we took a shot on Ryan Fitzpatrick. We took a shot on Carson Wentz. 
neither of those ever worked out. And now that we're committed to Howl, you know, for now and theoretically in the future, we can, we can do different things. And so I think that's what he meant. And so um, when you talk about going back and comparing some of his press conference notes from, from you know, points in the past, I, th- I think that's what you run into sometimes um, when Ron is at the podium. Sam Fortier from the Washington Post, my friend, thank you so much. Uh, we will talk to you again, I am sure, as we get closer to the draft. Thanks, buddy. Bob, thanks so much for having me as always, man. I appreciate you. Let's take a break. When we come back, we got to talk caps, and it's not going to be fun, but it's something that we've got to do. We always know that we always knew, rather, that this time was going to come. That's next. It's the Bob Matthews Podcast right here on the Hockey and the Pigskin Podcast Networks. Well, the biggest tournament in college basketball is going to come to an exciting conclusion this weekend and early next week. And since we're not exactly sure what legal says about this, we will just refer to it as the national semifinals and the national finals. And the action is just getting started on DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's Top-rated sportsbook apps right now. New customers can bet just $5 on any pregame money line bet. Score $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Combine multiple bets for a shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is going to be featuring parlays and odd boosts all tournament long, so be sure to check the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day to see what they have in store. Hey, you could have made some serious money Parlane, Florida Atlantic, and Miami here to reach this weekend's games, to reach the third weekend in the tournament. Heck, you could have parlayed any of these four teams and made some serious cash. So don't miss out this weekend, okay? Go to DraftKings. uh, Go search the DraftKings website. Go download the app. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Sign up with the code THPN. And again, right now, customers can bet $5 on any pregame money line bet. Get $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. That's only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Promo code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Back and forth he goes with Kalorn. Across to Stam goes with a shot block. Gets it right back and it rolls to Sergachev. Good shot there. Oh, they score! Tim games front. And this is going to be a goal for Alex Kalorn. There he goes, Kalorn, into the middle for Maroon, Maroon, Sorelli, in, stop, rebound, and Maroon's done it again! Two goals for the big rig, and it's 4-1 Bolts. Guys are trying to, trying to do the right things and trying to find find ways to be creative and, and try to create chances and stuff, so um, <clears throat> I think we continue continue to stick with that. And try to and, and try to make plays. I think you know better. Uh, you know we got we got good players in here that can that can make plays. So I think we we stick with that and we'll be fine. That was Craig Smith. You might recognize him as one of the players that came over in the Dmitry Orlov trade at the trade deadline from Boston. If he gets a Stanley Cup ring this year, 
It'll be after watching his former team, the Bruins, uh, make the run through the playoffs. Um, Smith said everything that you're supposed to say at this point if you're in the Capitals' position. And we are coming to the point where you pretty much say, don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened. With the loss to Tampa, the Caps remain stuck on 77 points. They are 34-33 and 9 so far this year. They've got six games left. So that means that at most they can grab 12 more points this season. That would put them, if they were to win their final six games, and of course, the way they're playing right now, you seriously have to doubt that. But let's say somehow they magically did, they would wind up with 89 points on the season. The Islanders need to win just uh, one game, grab two more points, and they won't be able to catch the Islanders. So realistically, it's the final playoff spot. And I use the word realistically very loosely. It's only the final wild card spot that the Capitals could possibly slide into. But Pittsburgh is already seven. Uh, no, let's see. Well, Pittsburgh's got 84 points, so try to do the quick math on there. There's seven points ahead of the Caps now. Not to mention the fact the Panthers, the Senators, and the Buffalo Sabres, uh, who have played three less games than Washington, also ahead of them. It's not going to happen. Brian McClellan needs to do some soul-searching at the end of the season. I was talking about this with Dan Holmey on the Locked On podcast, uh, Locked On Capitals podcast earlier this week. I think the one silver lining in this is because of the past, because of past performance, this is the one team in the DMV you can give the benefit of the doubt to to say that they're going to they're gonna figure it out. You used to be able to do that with the Commanders back when they were the Redskins, but you can't do that anymore and haven't been able to for quite some time. But given the fact that this is only going to be, well, it'll be the first time since the Adam Oates era that the Caps have missed the playoffs and only the 12th or 13th time in the last 30 years that they've missed it. You can say that, you know, you can realistically expect Brian McClellan to solve this problem over the offseason. What does that mean? I think it means that you've got to take a long, hard look at a lot of players. Um, Everybody not named Ovechkin, Backstrom, Wilson, Kemper, and Lindgren. Um, Maybe a couple of others in there. But there are a lot, and you might notice I didn't say TJ Oshie. Oshie left the game again last night uh, with an upper body injury. You have to be concerned about that. He's 36 years old, and he's getting injured more often and more often. And for a guy that's supposed to be the heart and soul of your team, you've got to be able to have him on the ice. Um, more to the point, though, they've got to get some scoring. The one thing that's kept them in this all year has been the fact that they've had great goaltending. And despite the score last night, you can say you can easily say they had great goaltending, or at least very good goaltending last night. Yes, they the dam broke in the third period eventually, uh, and there was an empty netter in there too, I believe. But you know, Darcy Kemper almost single-handedly kept 
this team in the game last night. There's just been way too many instances where the Caps' offense just doesn't show up. You, you know, they have one goal going into the third period. That, that just can't happen. You know, eventually, you know, you cha- you have to chase the game in the third. You have to take chances. And with a team like, like Tampa Bay, you're not going to, you know, you, you take chances. You're going to get stung. And that's exactly what happened last night. And you can say, well, the Tom Wilson goal shouldn't have been disallowed. But you can't be sitting there uh, looking at, you know, that as your, just your second goal of the game that late in the period. Um, the Capitals are 3-5-2 and two in their last 10. It's just not going to happen. So they really need to ask some hard questions, uh, and not just T.J. Oshie. I think one of the biggest questions, and I know we're not breaking any new ground here, but it's Evgeny Kuznetsov. What are you going to do with him? And I think it's time to cut bait on him. Get what you can for him on the trade market. It's not so much that you may not get that much value back for him. But for me, it's about looking towards the future because you've got some promising centermen in the AHL down in Hershey that have, you've got to figure out what you've got with them. They've been waiting for Kuznetsov almost this entire contract that he got after the Stanley cup run to become the dominant center that they thought he can be. And he just hasn't done it on a consistent basis. You've got Connor McMichael and Hendrix LaPierre sitting down there in Hershey playing well. How much more seasoning do you need to give them? to bring them up. Uh, I want to see both of them on the opening day roster uh, next year. Uh, And right now, where do you put them? These guys are true centers. They've been playing center all year. Well, right now, your centers are Dylan Strom, Evgeny Kuznetsov, Nicholas Backstrom, and and Nick Dowd. Now, certainly, you're not going to put a rookie that's that's known for his speed on the identity line, so that takes out your fourth-line center. You've got Backstrom, who has played well since coming back, and he's the one untouchable there in the center position. You've just signed Dylan Strom to an extension. To get one of those guys out there, you got to make room, and I think that room is Kuznetsov. I would like to see both of those two centers and Ethan Frank, a talented left winger who they – you know, re-signed to a new deal who's been tearing it up in Hershey this year. He's a young kid. I want to see him on the opening day roster next year, too. And if Peter Laviolette is not the kind of a coach that you need to develop young players, and I'm not sure that he is anymore, then you need to make a move. Uh, And that's what I think is going to happen in the offseason. You're going to see uh, a new bench boss, whether that is Scott Allen being promoted or somebody else. And I hope that you're going to see those three young faces give the Caps an infusion of talent, which I think is a good thing because if you've got these young prospects up there, who better to learn the NHL game from than Alex Ovechkin and Nicholas Backstrom? Don't think of this veteran core as a weakness. Look at it as a strength and flip the script on it. My two cents worth for what it is. Caps back on the ice against the Rangers this weekend. All right, we got to get on out of here. Who knows? We can hold out for a miracle, maybe either that or look forward to next year. We'll talk about it all uh, coming up next week. Thanks again. Don't forget you can catch us on iTunes, Spotify, wherever fine podcasts are sold. Have you a good one, everyone. Remember, like the wise man once said, if you're out on your bike tonight, as always, you are white. Please